Oh, good evening, everyone. It's good to see you all again. Glad we all came out to praise the Lord and hear from his word. Tonight we'll be in the book of 2 Timothy in chapter 2. Read some verses and then we'll pray. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and we'll read from verse 14. It says, Of these things put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord that they strive not about words to no profit, but to the subverting of the hearers. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness, and their word will eat as doth a canker, of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already, and overthrow the faith of some. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his, and let every one that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honour and some to dishonour. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel of unto honour, sanctified, and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. Flee also youthful lusts, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace, with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. And tonight we'll be concentrating on verses 20 to 21, just 20 and 21, and the title of tonight's message is Meet. For the master's use. Let's pray. Gracious Lord and Heavenly Father, as we look into your word tonight, we just have a great need for uh, you to uh, help us to grow in our walk and in our faith and uh, in our love and devotion for you. And Lord, and teach us from your word. And I just pray that you administer to each and every heart here tonight. I uh, thank you that we have freedom to to worship to come together uh, though these things have been affected in recent days but lord still help us to have a, a heart that worships the lord and we thank you for these things and we ask for your help in jesus name amen uh, this in this morning's message we refer to the account of the disciples when um they were asking the Lord, the James and John, to sit on the right hand and on the left hand of the Lord when he would come in his kingdom. And also the, the other account of when the disciples asked uh, who would be the greatest in the kingdom. And we saw that that was the, a wrong mindset, a wrong motive, that they were seeking great things for themselves. And tonight we have a question before us that I'd like to ask, and it's not who is the greatest in the kingdom, or am I the greatest in the kingdom, but rather, am I useful in the kingdom? Am I useful in the kingdom? Meet for the master's use, as it says in verse 21. Uh, the book of Second Timothy uh, is a precious book to me. I, I love Second Timothy. Um, I always find myself coming back to it, reading over it, and developing a few messages. And uh, I started um, preaching through it and uh, got some messages out of it and um, 
wasn't able to finish it, but Lord willing, one day I will be able to. But Paul here, he's writing his what we know to be his last letter to his uh, dear friend, his son in the faith, Timothy. And he's passing on to Timothy some final instructions. And Timothy was a young pastor in Ephesus, and he was in need of encouragement. He was in need of instruction uh, and just in need of um, Paul to, to help him along with some of the difficult things that he was dealing with. And one of the great themes of the book of 2 Timothy is the theme of endurance. That for Timothy, as a pastor in Ephesus, he would need to endure. He'd be going through, through, through some hard things. Uh, people in the church and, and sins and, and false teachers that would come his way and uh, personal weaknesses that he has to face. And, and there needs to be that endurance. And there needs to be endurance in the Christian life. In chapter 1, there's the great encouragement to not be, uh, be not ashamed. Be not thou ashamed of the testimony of our Lord nor of me, his prisoner. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. In order to endure the Christian life, we ought not to be ashamed of the gospel. And in chapter 2, he starts off by saying, be strong. We need to be strong and enduring. In chapter 3, he'll tell him that um, he needs to uh, be perfect or mature, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And in chapter 4, there's the charge to be instant, ready, always to preach the word of God in season and out of season. And here in chapter 2, well, and and at the time that Paul is writing, um, he's writing at the end of his life, he's in imprisonment at Rome under Nero, and we have a picture of an elderly, broken, weary man forsaken by uh, so-called Christians, nearing his death after many years of suffering for the cause of Christ and yet he can still write to his son Timothy his son in the faith and say I am not ashamed I've gone through all these things but I am not ashamed of the Lord Paul in verse 21 says talks about being meat for the master's use and Paul in his life has shown himself to be profitable for the master's use useful for the Lord for the master's use and at the end of his life his burden is that Timothy And the men that Timothy would teach, and the men that those men would teach, that they also would be vessels unto honour, sanctified, and meet for the master's use. However, he knows that in order to do that, there needs to be a purging. He uses that word, purge, in verse 21. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel, meet for the master's use. So there's purging that is needed. And in trying to demonstrate the, uh, the picture of what it is to be a vessel unto honour, he gives us an illustration. And this illustration is the picture of a great house in verse 20. In a great house, and a great house is great not because of its size, but rather its master. It's a great house because of a great master. And in a great house, you'd expect to find certain things, wouldn't you? Uh, You'd expect to see things done in a certain way, organized in a certain way. You'd expect to find gold and silver vessels, the ones that bring honor to the master, that show uh, his wealth and greatness and glory. Uh, They're set aside for that purpose. Wooden and earthen vessels, uh, ones that bring no honor. If the servants were to serve the guests with the master present using the ordinary, the, the plain uh, it, it would bring no honour to the master. 
So there are vessels of gold and silver. And as people of the Lord in the Lord's house, we ought to be vessels unto honour. And by saying gold and silver, that's not saying that we need to be flashy. And if you're not flashy, then you're, you're plain and boring and just a wooden and earthen vessel. It's nothing to do with that. But rather the difference between one that is purged and one that isn't. But we ought to desire to be vessels unto honour in the Master's house, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Desire to be a vessel unto honour. Ready for every good work that he bids us do. But there needs to be a purging. A purging from what? From the things that bring dishonour to the Lord. And first, I'd like for us to consider that needs to be a purging from the error. And, and that's what he's dealing with here, that needs to be purging from error. And first of all, the error of doctrine. Error of doctrine. We need to be purged from error of doctrine. And throughout the New Testament, uh, doctrine's a very vital thing. At the beginning of chapter 2, um, in chapter 2, verse 2, he says, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Paul has a desire for right doctrine, good doctrine. And uh, I understand that sometimes the word doctrine, uh, people have mixed feelings and, and thoughts about it based on their experience. Uh, they may feel that doctrine is a dirty word because they feel as though it's been hammered and they've been beaten on the head with it. But uh, that's not the spirit of this message. But rather the spirit of this message is uh, to be an encouragement that we would delight in the truth of God's word. Because that's what doctrine is, the truth of God's word. And we to love it and to know it. And to delight in that we need we need to desire to understand it as accurately as we can and timothy his charge was to teach others right doctrine as well but while he is teaching good doctrine he needs to be purged from the false and that's what verses 14 to 19 were about he says in verse 16 but shun profane and vain babblings for they will increase unto more ungodliness. Profane and vain, useless and empty, and that's all that false doctrine is. Uh, it's, it's really a perfect definition of it, just profane and vain babblings. Uh, it's anything that's opposed to the truth of God's word. It's something that is seeking to deceive, to distract and to discourage and to divide God's people. Uh, we're talking about something that's very dangerous, it's harmful to our souls. It says in verse 16 that they will increase unto more ungodliness. It never stops with just one thing, but it always leads to something else and to something else and to something else. It increases unto more ungodliness. But for a servant of God to be a vessel unto honor, we need to discern those things and be purged from those things. Things that increase unto ungodliness. The things that bring dishonor. But increasing unto ungodliness. For example, uh, the prosperity gospel. Uh, how, that, how does that increase unto more ungodliness? Well, if I believe that God desires 
me, to, uh, desires to prosper me uh, according to my faith, well, that leads to the thinking that I must be lacking in faith or living in sin when I encounter sin, uh, opposition or suffering. That is an ungodly way of thinking, and it leads into more ungodliness. Or perhaps if, if I was told that uh, in, about speaking in tongues, that if, if I believe that God desires all his children to experience the, the second blessing, and everyone around me does, but I don't, well, that must mean that maybe I'm not saved. Takes away assurance of salvation. Or I'm a second-class Christian. That can lead to more ungodliness. Or perhaps the doctrine of no bodily resurrection, which some believe is what's happening here with Hymenaeus and Philetus. But if I believe that the, the promised resurrection of Christians who have died is just an allegory, it's not real, uh, that would lead me to doubt of even Christ's resurrection. It leads to increases unto more ungodliness. It eats up like gangrene or canker, as it says in verse 17. To be a vessel unto honour, sanctified, meant for the master's use, we need to be purged from the error of doctrine. It leads to ungodliness, eats up like gangrene. It overthrows the faith of some, uh, as it says. And how discouraging to think that, uh, as what Hymenaeus and Philetus were saying, that the resurrection is past already. Uh, No resurrection, the kingdom is now. No reunion with loved ones. No bodily reign of Christ. uh, uh, Very discouraging thoughts. Uh, We have an enemy And the enemy has a weapon, and that is the error of doctrine. And this is what Paul wanted Timothy and the men that Timothy would teach to be purged from. And it's a direct link. In verse 21, if a man is purged from himself from these, that is dishonor, in verse 20, at the end of verse 19, it says that a Christian is to depart from iniquity, and this iniquity referring to the profane and the vain babblings. Be purged from the error of doctrine. It isn't harmless. Uh, in pre- preparing, um, I read a, a short little paragraph about in the US when fire ants uh, were brought over and the, the havoc that they caused, one of the methods to uh, rid them was to line the the nests with poison and as the the ants would carry in the poison and feed it to the queen the queen would die and uh therefore there there was no more ants produced and that would destroy the that colony and just that little bit of poison how it affects and how it infiltrates and uh, it's not harmless it's dangerous throughout the new testament there's constant warnings against false doctrine false teachers in Second Peter, in chapter 2, Peter warns the churches about it. Second Peter, chapter 2, verses 1 to 3, he says, But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that brought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow their pernicious ways, 
by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. And through covetousness shall they, with feigned words, make merchandise of you, whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. And in Galatians, uh, Paul talks about how uh, there will be some that will bring in another gospel and to let them be accursed, let them be anathema. Again, and the point is not to just be hard and say, doctrine, 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 but rather to love the truth of the word of God and to remind us to have our guards up, have our guards up. Be careful who we are listening to and and watching and um, throughout uh, COVID and the access that we have to uh, online uh, preachers and things. um, uh, It can be a wonderful thing, but also a dangerous thing and just the, the care that we need to have in those things. If we desire to be vessels unto honour, sanctified, made for the master's use and prepared unto every good work, let us be purged from the error of doctrine. And it's not just the one side of uh, don't focus on that which is wrong, but we need to focus on that which is true. And we will get to that. But error of doctrine, but also error of life. Error of life. And verses uh, 16... Verses 16 to 18 deal specifically with false doctrine, sinful doctrine. But if we have a look at verse 19, it says that everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. So to be mate for the master's use, we're to be purged. Purged from what? Error of doctrine, but also error of life. Depart from iniquity, he says. More often than not, what we believe will affect the way that we live. A profitable vessel must be a clean vessel, must be a clean vessel. When someone comes to your house and you offer them a cup of coffee or a cup of tea, you don't just go to the sink, pick out a dirty cup and say, oh, that'll do, and fill it up with the coffee or tea and then serve it to your guest. Uh, I don't know, you might, but (laughs) it's not something that ought to be done. Uh, But because you don't want to use a dirty cup don't want to use a dirty vessel and the Lord doesn't want to use a dirty vessel either he wants to use a vessel that is departing from iniquity departing from that which displeases the Lord and dishonors his name if we want to be useful for the Lord there must be a departure from sinful living and they're the basics of the Christian life isn't it it's nothing new nothing not a fantastical statement Uh, We're used to hearing that over and over, but I wonder in the day-to-day choices that we make, how often do we and how often do I put that into practice? We need to make a choice. We need to make a choice about naming the name of Christ. We know the story of Korah and the rebellion and how they they were given a choice. Who would they identify with? Identify with the Lord or with Uh, Korah and the rebellion that was going on there they needed to make a choice who would they identify with the Lord or those who would rise up against him and when it comes to the choices that we make in our lives the things that please the Lord the things that displease the Lord uh, we have that same choice who are we going to identify with 
will we name the name of Christ and depart from iniquity? When we don't depart from sinful habits in our lives, we identify not with Christ, but with his enemy. We displease the Lord and we may treat him as the Apostle Peter did. When the Lord was on trial and he was out by that fire and people were asking him, aren't you the man that was with Jesus? Aren't you one of his disciples and aren't you one of his followers? Don't you identify with Jesus? And his reply was, I'm not. It's not me. You're thinking of someone else. You've got the wrong man. He didn't identify with the Lord. And when we are confronted with temptation and we yield to those temptations, what are we doing? In our actions, we are saying the same thing that Peter said. I don't identify with the Lord. Let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity, from sinful and worldly language, from covetousness, from pornography or any form of Fornication, as it says in verse 22, to flee also youthful lusts and to follow after righteousness, faith, charity, peace. Uh, we're to depart from deceit and dishonesty. Uh, all the things that would displease the Lord and dishonor the Lord because we love him and we want to be profitable for him and for his kingdom, we depart from those things. And to be purged from the error of life. Ephesians 1 verse 4 says that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. And so to be mate for the master's use, Paul says that it needs to be a purging, purging from error of doctrine, error of life. But with the, the emptying, there needs to be a filling. And with the taking off, there needs to be a putting on. And so to take those two points of error of doctrine, error of life, I'd like to uh, flip those around and say that uh, we need purity in doctrine. Purity of doctrine. Um, I've been told that uh, counterfeit money can be easy to spot by those who are familiar with the real deal. If you're a bank teller and you're uh, constantly dealing with the real thing, the real dollar, uh, when a counterfeit comes you're able to spot it because you know what the real deal feels like. And the more that we are in truth, listening into truth and delighting in the truth, Lord willing, the easier the counterfeit should become. And that's what Paul says in verse 15, isn't it? To study, to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. To study truth, to be diligent, in regards to the truth. And that's what the word study implies. There's diligence and there's effort and there's time. Uh, and it's not to be seen of other people, but it's to be approved unto the Lord. That when his work is examined, uh, there's no cause for shame. Because he's a vessel purged from error of doctrine and error of life and carefully handles the word of truth. And all of us ought to uh, aspire to do that. And though Paul is talking to a pastor here, it's not just for the pastor, but it's for all of us. All of us. 
to be in the truth and to love the truth and to know the truth. When it comes to the word of God, uh, the pastor is a, a workman. Uh, so is every believer. We ought to be stewards of the truth and, and not twisting it for our own gain or trying to justify ourselves in, in using scripture to justify our wrongdoing, which is what uh, Paul refers to in Second Corinthians when he talks about those who deceitfully, uh, who handle the word of God deceitfully, uh, that handle the word of God to uh, gain in popularity or prosperity or anything like that. So there's a contrast of an approved workman or an ashamed workman and will be in either one of those categories. A workman. You know, we may be quite proud of our, our work ethic and what we do at, at our workplaces, but what's our work ethic like when it comes to the word of truth, God's word? Are we approved or are we ashamed? Doctrine, it's not a bore, but it ought to thrill our soul. And what better truth to dwell on than God himself, and we call that theology. Theology may seem to be very a, a, a dry sort of thing, um, but that's so far from the truth. To know what the Bible says about our God. We're to rightly divide, it says in verse 15, to cut straight, to correctly handle it. And let's make the effort to know and to love the truth that we may be of use to the master. And uh, he doesn't want lazy servants. He won't use lazy servants, but uh, we need to study to show ourselves approved unto God. So we need to put on the purity of, and doctrine and purity of life. There must be right thinking to have right living. And we must have right living to be vessels unto honour for the Lord. Verse 22, uh, flee also youthful lusts. And then he says, follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. And uh, I know that we're sort of looking up and down in, in these verses, and I'm sorry about that, but... Uh, verse 20 and 21 is, is the key thought about being meat for the master's use and just trying to uh, use uh, other things that Paul has said in previous verses and in verses after uh, just to build the picture of what he's trying to say and uh, what we ought to, uh, to get from tonight's message. But in verse 22, we flee sin, follow after righteousness, faith, charity, peace. Righteousness, righteous way of living, devotion to God, uh, a passion for that which is right, cleanness before the Lord. Uh, Romans 6 verse 13 says that we're to yield our members as instruments of righteousness unto God. But we're to follow righteousness and faith. Uh, faith in the is the unrelenting trust in who God is and in his person and in his power and in his provision. And we know in Hebrews 11 it says without faith it's impossible to please him. And that's what we're talking about, pleasing the Lord, pleasing him. 
So we're to follow righteousness, faith, and we're to follow after charity, love, that self-sacrificing, giving, First uh, Corinthians 13 kind of love. We're to follow after peace, the gentle and the calm character of heart that only the Lord can give us. Philippians 4 verse 7 talks about the peace of God that passes all understanding and it keeps our hearts and minds through Christ and we need peace. The peace of God that passes understanding so that we keep our hearts and minds through Christ. And all of these things, uh, righteousness, faith, charity, peace, uh, they come from the Lord and they don't come from us. Christ has been made unto us righteousness, Scripture says. And without the Lord, there's nothing to have faith in. We know that God is love and that love is of God. And that Bible calls God the God of peace. So that righteousness, that faith, that charity, that peace, it's all of the Lord. And the Christian's life is a pursuit of these things. But I'm thankful that while we're pursuing these things, we don't pursue them alone as it says at the end of verse 22, that we're to follow after these things with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. The importance of our local churches to be with the Lord's people and to follow after these things with the Lord's people. We're not alone. Uh, We're not to be an island unto ourselves, but we're to surround ourselves with those who are following and pursuing the same things and uh, that's good counsel verse 22 is good counsel for uh, the kind of friendships I should have and the kind of relationships that I should pursue and uh, who I should marry and, and all those things to follow righteousness faith charity peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart Paul's desire to for Timothy to be meet for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. Are we useful for the master in his kingdom? We need to be purged from error of doctrine and error of life. And we need to be pure in doctrine and pure in life. Maybe tonight might be a good opportunity to sort some matters out with the Lord if we have need. Say, Lord, I know that there are some things that I I need to to deal with, especially coming into the new year, and I don't want to carry those old sinful habits into my life, and um, I want to learn of more of your word and grow in your word and uh, commit to to study and be pure in in doctrine. So maybe it it will be good if we took some time privately to to sort those things out with the Lord. So I hope that was uh, an encouragement to be profitable for the Master in the coming year. Uh, It sort of is tied in with the morning message about not seeking after great things. We're not seeking things for ourselves, but we're seeking things for the Lord. Uh, We'll close in prayer and our pastor will come and lead us in our closing hymn. Thank you once again, Lord, for your word and that as redeemed people, we have access to the truth of God.
uh, your word. And we also have the, the indwelling spirit that helps us to grow in righteousness and faith and charity and peace. Help us, Lord, to have that desire to be useful for you and profitable for your kingdom. Not for ourselves, uh, but for you. So that when we stand before you, we may hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. In Jesus' name, amen.